<laughs> just being honest. You know, uh, that's the thing that Jim's talking about, you know, that uh, you're going to stand before God. You know, you're not going to stand before God and give an account for what you've done. You're going to stand before God and give an account for how much you were called to do that's been accomplished. You know, because a lot of stuff that you've done, God ain't even paying attention to. He's trying to ignore it. He's, he's, he's like any dad pretending that that's somebody else's kid. But you will give account to God for accomplishing that, what you've been called to do. Look at your neighbor and tell him your calling is calling. Amen. For this, we've been called, right? We, we've been brought out of darkness, translated into the marvelous light of his dear son. Why? To make a difference. Salt and light, right? Salt and light. Come on, guys. Here, here's a great opportunity. It, you know, here's how, it, you know, the, the, the $100,000 match, you know, for the building fund, uh, that ends the first weekend in June, right? June 7th is last weekend. Here's how worried we are about that. We don't know how much we have raised yet. So I don't know, 40,000, maybe 40, 50, so, so far. We, we call that done. I ain't worried about that at all. You, you know what I'm worried about? That we will miss opportunities like this to make a difference in our community. So trust me, we're going to get at least two months worth of food on their list. Not, not junk you like. Don't, don't clean out your pantry of the stuff that you don't like. Make sure it's on that list. It's very specific, right? Very specific. And, and uh, maybe by next week we can, we can have a list of, you know, what, where we're at to have two months worth, where we're at so that the following week, that's going to be hard because you're bringing it next week. We can't do that. You're going to have to just bring the food in. We ought, we ought to have to stop you at the door and say, for crying out loud, we don't have room for any more. You know how blessed you are? I said, do you know how blessed you are? Man, we're blessed. There are people suffering. I'm not talking about in some third world country someplace. I'm talking about down the street. There, there are people hurting, and we have the right and the privilege, the honor to be God's hand extended and to minister to that need. Let's go crazy with it. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm going I'm to go crazy with it. All right. If you're here today, you don't own a Bible. If you hold your hand up, ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God. Anybody need a Bible, just lift your hand up. If you got your Bible with you, matter of fact, if you don't, stand up anyways. Let's stand together one more time. Let's lift our Bible up and make a confession together. Hold your Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on. Now, before you sit down, wait a minute. Before you sit down, let's give God a praise like he's worthy. All right? Come on, somebody. We magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. You are my king. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody as you're being seated saying, now that's what I'm talking about. You know, I've, I figure if Tiger Woods has him screaming as he, as he walks off the course, you know, may, maybe we ought, we ought to give God a little shout every now and then, right? Well, I, I don't know. That's kind of weird to me. You know what's weird to me is to be rescued from hell and try to act like nothing happened. Just a little weird. Just my way of thinking here. You know, I, I think God's worthy of our praise, don't you? 
How many glad God's on your side? How many glad God's got a plan for your life? That, that God is moving and, and reaching out to you even in moments when, when you're trying to separate from him. You know, decisions are taking you to, some, to a place. Every decision leads to a place. You're making decisions and it's taking you somewhere. A lot of times the decisions we make take us away from God rather than to God. We're good people. You know, we, we got a great heart. Just sometimes our head ain't working all that well, right? And, 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 you know, we just make choices. We just haven't thought about it, haven't really weighed it out, haven't considered it. Isn't it weird that, that how, how easy it is to just make the wrong choice? You figure it out later, but, whoa, we're way off. You know, and, you know, raising kids, you know, and, and they, they start getting to the place where they're going to get out of high school and go into the future. And you're just trying to help them focus and realize that, you know, the decisions that you make, they're not just momentary. This decision, this is going to impact your future. It's going to impact, where, you know, what's on down the road for you. How many of us take time on, on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis to sit down and, and just get God's involvement in the process of making decisions so that we develop a new lifestyle of decision-making, you know, a different, different habit, paradigm shift. You know, if we want to fit in with, you know, the, the terminology of the day, we need a paradigm shift. Now nah, we need to think. Albert Einstein made this statement. He said, thinking is very difficult work, which explains why so few people do it. <laughs> Albert said that, you know, a habit is something you can do without thought. And maybe that's what it is, is that we go through life habitually. Without thought. You know, our, our routine is so ingrained that we just end up doing what we've always done. Without thought. It's not like we've intended to mess up. It's not like we've intended to pull away from God. It's not like we've intended to go the wrong direction. It's just our habit that slowly but eventually causes us to become separated rather than connected to God, the God life, Zoe life, the things that God has for us. We know, we know that God has a great plan for our life. God has a hope and a future that is set out in front of us. We know that, that God is desiring to direct our paths. We know he wants to answer our questions. Jeremiah 33, 3, he said, call unto me, I'll answer you and show you great, great and mighty things, which you don't know. I, I love some, some translations say, I'll show you hidden things, fin things, secret things. In other words, things you couldn't possibly know. God's saying, call me. I want to tell you stuff. You don't have a clue, but I, I want to share it with you. But we kind of have to ask ourselves, when is the last time you called? Well, why didn't you? Why haven't we called? Why aren't we constantly on the phone with God? Is it possible that we think we know everything already? I, I think that's a pretty strong possibility. We got God who's willing to open the eyes of our understanding, to speak words of wisdom, to direct our life, and but still... I think we, it is possible that we have a habitual lifestyle that if we're not careful will cause us to be separated from God. Not because we're evil in the sense of under the direction of a demonic force, but evil in the sense that, well, the true meaning of the word evil 
simply sick or diseased. I think it's easy to not be healthy and not know it. What do you think? You know, it's not like you're going to keel over any second, but you're just not real healthy. You know, in other words, to be far from God but feel good about it because this is how you've always been. This is the experience you've always had. To be inhaling and exhaling and know that God is real. That's what most people, you know, most people in our society, that's, that's how they live. God's real. But he's not real in their world. His involvement isn't real. We're separated from God. We need to change the way we think. We need to get back to our right mind. I think that we've been so influenced and so hammered by society that we've accepted ideology, belief systems that are so far from the truth, but we, we've latched onto it because everybody else has to. But God's got a better plan for your life. God's got a better way. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad God's on my side. There are some scriptures that most of us are very familiar with, but I, I just want us to, to go there. Open your Bibles. Go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to spend a few weeks just talking about getting the right mind. Getting in a right mind. Getting in a right mind. Romans 12, in the King James, it says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. One translation says that's the least you can do. That's the least you can do. It goes on in verse 2. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be, don't, be, don't be conformed. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, when you come to Connect Ed class, uh, Bishop Marty, he, he, he teaches some, uh, so, some uh, in that class, and you want the information he's going to give you. It's incredible. You know, uh, don't, don't let the world just shape and mold you, but be transformed. Be changed. Be, be changed. Have you guys ever, you know, seen the kids play with their transformers? You know, and, uh, you know, one moment it's, it's, it's like a SUV vehicle, and then the, they, they hit the right buttons and, and pull the stuff apart, and it stands up, and it's like this giant robot shooting, you know, fire out of its mouth, and it's cool. Uh, I think many of us, we are transformers. We're stuck somewhere between useful and interesting. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're not exactly sure. It's like in a Rubik's Cube that somebody has messed with. And you're sitting there messing with it, turning them. And, and that's, that's how we are. We need to be changed. Look, look at what it says in the New Living. It says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your body to God because of all he's done for you. Look at all God's done for you. Oh, come on, guys. Look at all God has done for you. Look at it. Man, we're blessed. Above only, not beneath. The head, not the tail. Coming in, going out. In the field, in the city. In my house. Blessed. Positioned to win or succeed in every given situation. Look at what God has done. Because of that. 
Give him your body. Let, let it be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way we worship him. This is truly the way we worship him. You know, worship is not a slow song. Worship is a lifestyle. It is a mentality. Remember Abraham going to the top of the mountains, got his son in tow, going to go up and sacrifice his son. Think about that for just a minute. God comes and speaks to this man and says, I want you to take your boy and go up and sacrifice him on top of that hill. And you, you know that there's got to be a, some thought process going on here. There, there's a mind storm. Do I obey or do I not? You know, how's this going to work? And he realizes that every promise God's ever given him about his future is directly connected to the son that he just asked him to sacrifice. So he knows that in order for God to fulfill what he said, even if he killed his son, God's going to have to raise him up because of the promise that's connected to his son. So he doesn't find it strange just to obey God. Isn't it interesting that you and I, we, ha- we, we kind of wonder whether or not we should trust God? Think maybe we've shifted away, for, some, somehow shifted from a mindset where we just trust God where human reasoning has become stronger than biblical understanding, than than the word of God. You know, we just got to trust God. It's interesting. Abraham says to the guys with him, he says, you guys wait here. The lad and I go yonder to worship and we will return. In other words, what you and I would call sacrifice, he called worship. What What he was actually going to the top of the mountain to do was to obey. He's simply going up to obey. What is obedience? Worship. Just do what God's told you to do. Just, just obey. You, you want to walk by faith? Faith is not believing regardless of circumstances, obeying regardless of consequence. Just obey. This is the way we worship God. We just do what he said. And when we do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. It's not odd to trust God. Really, it's crazy not to. Isn't it funny how far we can shift and not notice that we're living a lifestyle that is just absolutely a demonstration of lack of confidence in God? Where we're so adapted to the world and that thought process that we don't even notice that we're not daily putting our faith and confidence in the Lord. We just live in life like everybody else lives it. Wrong life. You haven't been called to fit in. You've been called to stand out. There's something that God wants to do inside of you that'll manifest his glory and his presence. And if you do what he tells you to do, trust me, you are going to be elevated to a level of high life living that is going to blow your mind. Trust me, God ain't never failed anybody. He ain't going to start with you. You ain't that special. Look at verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. I think sometimes we, we, we look at that and, and, and we're thinking about, uh, you know, just certain things, the, the cultural things, and don't, don't copy them, and, you know, don't, don't dress that way, don't, don't do this. Listen, don't believe that way. You know, if we're going to get in our right mind, understand that we can't think like people without God think. You got God. God's alive and well. 
And his word is true. You, you can't think. You know, if you think like the world thinks, trust me, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be looking for somebody to come and comfort you. you you're going to need some, uh, you, you know, stimulation. You, 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 you know, you, you're going to be under the depression of the recession expecting, uh, you know, a stimulation package to give you hope. I don't need no stimulation. I got, I got one verse that is better than anything they got to offer. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. I don't give a rip what's going on around me. It's what's going on in me that makes the difference. And I'm not going to copy the customs and behavior of this world. Right? Don't, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let, let God, let God, let God transform you. Look at this. Into a new person. Look at the guy next to you say, hello, fresh and new. If any man be in Christ, he's new. Old things have passed away. All things have become fresh and new. Let God transform you into a new person. Look, by changing the way you think. If the transformation process isn't occurring at a rapid pace in your life, it's because you're thinking wrong. I know it's hard to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, well, good morning, fool. But so often, we just refuse to change the way we think. God, God just needs to redirect our thought life. You know, Wednesday night, Keith spoke to the youth. He used John 15, 16, right? 15, 16. Uh, said, and that's, that verse says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I, I like to amplify it. It said, you didn't elect me, but I elected you. And, and for a long time, I've, just, I've really enjoyed knowing that I've got God's vote. But think about this. He said, you didn't choose me. That's a pretty powerful statement. I'm not in your choices. You make choices and I'm not a part of that. You haven't chosen me. But look at my, look, look, look at the way I make choices. Every choice I've ever made, you were right in the middle of. You make choices every day that God ain't got nothing to do with. You haven't even considered where he fits in. But God's not made one choice that he didn't look at your future and say, how's it going to impact that? We need to change the way we think. We're thinking about us. God said, no, I, I need you to think about others. Why? Because God says, I've already thought about you. If, if, if you will lose your lower life, you'll get it, the high life. But you've got to let that low life go. See, seek first the kingdom of God all those other things, they're taken care of. Why? Because God's already made decisions about your future. But in order to live this lifestyle, we've got to change the way we think because we don't think that God's already got that handled. We think we need to do something about it. God's like, man, when are you going to learn to trust me? Change the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you. Here's the, here's the deal. Look, look at God's will for you, which is good. God's will for your life, God's plan, it's good. 
It ain't good. It's good. 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 God's plan for your life. Good. Man, how, how, how are we going to get this birthed into our spirit? So we know that if God's plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, is to prosper me, then I don't have to seek prosperity. I got to seek his plan. His plan is the hope of my future. God's got my future. Good. Future. Good. Plan out. It's his will. It's good. So I can trust him. I can do what he said, knowing that when I do what he said, he will produce what he promised every single time. I don't have to worry about tomorrow what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to put on. God's going to cover my future if I just do what he said. I just start doing what he said and make sure that my decisions are God-based. That my thoughts, here's the deal, is every thought has an origin. Every thought has an origin. It comes from somewhere. Thoughts that are based off of God's word are faith thoughts, God thoughts. Those are going to move you to make God decisions, which is going to eventually get you a God result. If your thoughts are not, you know, if they don't find their origin in the, in the word of God, then they're Origin is in something contrary to the word of God. And the end result of that is eventually going to be separation from God's will. God's plan for me is good. If I can change the way I think, I'll realize his plan for me is good. It's pleasing. God's plan for my life is pleasing. Well, I'm afraid if I really surrender to God, he's going to make me do stuff I don't want. Nobody can get you to do stuff you don't want. Nobody. Not even God. You'll find out that great fulfillment comes from living in the will of God. Perfect. What does perfect mean? It's not lacking anything. That everything you need is right there. That is taken care of. But how do I get there? Well, it, by changing the way I think. Let's, let's read through some verses. Verse 3. Because of this privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Okay, let's start here. Immediately, he attacks the way you think. Don't think you're better than you are. Don't think, oh, this is a great message for my wife. I can't wait to sit down and have her go over this. No, uh, don't think you're better than you are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given it. Measuring yourself by faith. Faith cometh and cometh and cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. right? Faith is the word of God. How am I going to measure myself by faith? I'm going to measure my action according to the word of God. How do I measure up? How's my, how does my thought life measure up to what God thinks? Am I thinking in agreement with God or do I think in disagreement with God? I got to evaluate the way I think. Don't think you're so smart that you don't need to make some adjustments here. Don't think you're better off than you really are. Change the way. Get ready, guys. Get ready because God's going to ask you to change the way you think. He's asking you to change the way you think. Look at verse 4. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so we, it, it is with Christ's body, we are many parts, one body, we all belong to each other. We got this thing going on in his grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, for doing certain things well. Look at that, for doing certain things well. I think what you do for God, you ought to do a good job at it. If you can't do it well, slide over. Ever watch skinny people at a buffet? Nothing more frustrating than a skinny person at a buffet. Serious, man. They walk up, to, they walk up and they look. Move down and they look. And they come back and they look. And all the while, you're standing back there with an empty plate. How hard is it? Scoop and slide. <laughs> Scoop and slide. Come on, guys. Get this. Scoop and slide. Well, what if I don't want it? So what? Scoop and slide. Get, get in the groove. <laughs> it ain't that hard to slide over. Make sure that you're in the right spot. Do it, do it well. If you can't do it well, slide. Somebody will come along that's got the gift. You know, just because just you like a certain song don't mean you can sing it really, really good. Right? There might be all kinds of stuff you like. That don't mean that's your calling. If the enemy can get you to not answer the call by keeping you so busy with stuff that ain't the call, then you're still going to stand before God, hearing God say, what was that? What were you thinking? If God has given you the ability to prophesy... Do it with as much faith as he's given you. Grow yourself. Flow in your gift. Look at verse 7. If your gift is serving, serve. Serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. Verse 8. If it's to encourage others, be encouraging. Somebody has to have the gift of encouraging. So start encouraging. Encourage well. Be good at it. Send the cards, make the phone calls, stand out in the hallway. If you're an encourager, don't go home and isolate. Encourage well. If, it, if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership, take the responsibility. Now, how many people want to lead, but they don't want responsibility? Well, then go be an encourager. Take the responsibility. Rise up. Be who God's called you to be. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Think how frustrating it would be if you had the gift of showing kindness to others, but you didn't want to. Just a thought. Verse 9. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Okay. He's, he's addressing the way we think already. Here we go, guys. Change the way you think. Hate what's wrong. If it's wrong, stop embracing it. We've got to change the way we think. You know how many things are absolutely wrong according to the Word of God, but we're trying to find a way to filter that into the church because we just want to be nice. That's not, that's not nice. That's stupid. Hate what is wrong. What should I hate then? I thought hate is evil. You know, God, God tells you in, his, in the Word of God seven things that he hates. Maybe you ought to hate what God hates. 
Just a thought. Hold tight. What is good? Don't let the enemy rip from your grip the things that God says are good. Get a grip. Hold tight to what is good. The enemy is going to try to take from you things that are good. Don't let it go. Change the way you think. Well, that's not that important. You got to change the way you think. Yes, it is. There's a reason it's good. There's a reason God's given it to you. You're going to need it in a minute. Don't let go. Look at verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Change the way you think. This isn't about you. This is about others. Look at verse 11. Never be lazy. Change the way you think. Never be lazy. You guys get up and walk out of here this morning. There's 14 empty water bottles and a bunch of junk underneath your chair. <laughs> they were in a hurry. No, they were just lazy. You, you realize we give you the water. We want you to have the water. I don't even care if you drink the water. You can just crack the lid and put it back down. The least you could do is throw away the bottle. Thank you for that crazy response. <laughs> you know, sometimes just being pastoral sucketh. You know, come in here. Last night I mentioned this, and Pastor Jim came to me this morning. He was totally amazed. He said, the garbage cans are overflowing with empty water bottles. That's never happened before. Why do we do that? Because we live by habitual lifestyle. We're just in the habit of mama coming and taking care of it. Your mama don't come in here and clean up after you. It ain't got nothing to do with bottles. I don't care. You can leave your junk laying anywhere you want. We're glad you're here. But the problem is, is that your habitual lifestyle filters down into other areas. Here's, here's the deal. We're lazy when it comes to serving God. Why don't you know more of the word? Because you're lazy. It's easy to say because I don't have time. But now not only are you lazy, now you're a liar too. Because you've got time to do all kinds of other junk that don't matter. Right? You, 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 if you can't be home at 8 o'clock on Thursdays to watch Survivor, then you make an investment and buy a DVR so that you can record it so you can make time later. You stay up at 2 o'clock in the morning so that you can watch the shows you've missed. you got time. Let's get real now. Don't be lazy. Work hard and serve the Lord. Work hard. Change the way you think. Everything you do is unto the Lord. The fact that God's got you in the position he's got you is so that he can use you to reach people that he's going to bring to you. Serve God right where you are, but do it as unto the Lord. Don't be lazy. Because if you get in the habit of being lazy, you're going to miss incredible opportunities on a daily basis that God's bringing your way. I think it's awesome. You know, Rob has got his uh, physical therapy. People are coming in there. Every, t every time I've been there, I, you, you can just tell. that they're, they're using this opportunity to minister to lives. You know, where are you at? In the carpet shop. Oh, I just do carpet. No, man, you're serving people. You got an opportunity to touch lives. Marty's out there telling guys how to cut the grass. But he's impacting lives because when they have problems, who are they going to go talk to? Anybody but Marty. No, they're coming to see Marty. 
They're coming. They're watching. They're listening. They're watching your life. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Look at verse 12. We got to keep going, man. This is crazy. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Change the way you think. Be patient in trouble. You know the end. Don't be freaking out in the middle. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Notice the inference that you're already praying. <laughs> Look at verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always. Everybody say always. always. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Changing the way you think. Bless those that persecute you. That don't mean lay hands on them. It means bless them. What does the word bless mean? Position to win or succeed in any given situation. You got some guy who's persecuting you. What are you supposed to do? Position him to win or succeed in any given situation. Well, if I do that, then I'm going to lose. No, see, you've already forgotten. God has a plan for your future. God's going to prosper you, not harm you. He's going to give you hope in a future. God, God has your stuff worked out. This guy's separated from God. He, he's making wrong. Maybe, maybe it's a believer who's persecuting you. Make sure that you may, do everything you can to see him win or succeed. Why? Because God's got you covered. Do you believe him or not? You got a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. How about you get some real faith? Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will position them to win. Obviously, obviously, there's some people you can't get along with. He's going to tell us in a minute. But with everybody you can't, find a way. Find, do all that you can. Do all that you can. Look at verse 50. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Man, we could preach a long time here. And don't pay evil back with evil. Do things in such a way so that everyone can see you're honorable. Look at 18. This is crazy. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all you can. Obviously, there's some people you can't. But it ain't going to be your fault because you're going to do all you can to live in harmony with everyone. Look at 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Change the way you think. Leave that to God. God's got it. He said, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. You don't need it. You don't live that way. Look at verse 20. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. This is a different mindset, guys. If, if, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. You don't even have to bring them to your house. Send them out. I hope I don't get a bunch of gift cards. <laughs> if your enemy's hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. We do water and tea and coffee every service. It's trying to fulfill the Bible. <laughs> If you do this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Oh, that's what I want to do. I want to pile up burning coals and put them on their head. Wrong motive. Change the way you think. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil 
by doing good. Conquer evil by doing it. Come on. If we're going to win, we're going to have to change the way we think. The Bible says, listen, we'll get more into this later, but Romans 8, 6. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded, life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Carnally. A carnal mind. That word carnal, it just simply means born of a natural generation. It originates from the lowest realm. It doesn't come from God. That's your humanistic mindset. That's what you grew up with. That's what you've been influenced by. Don't live that way. It's going to separate you from the end that God has for you. Remember the prodigal son? We'll get, we'll get really into this later, but in Luke 15, you got the story of the, uh, of the father. He had two sons, and the, the youngest one comes, and he says, I want my inheritance early, and father caves in and gives it to him. There's the first mistake. Pro- father probably shouldn't have caved in. But he gave it to him. His son wasn't ready. He went out. You know the story. He lived a crazy life, wasted all that money. Pretty soon all of his friends, they, he don't even have them anymore because he's out of cash. He, he is taking care of pigs, which according to his religion is, is, is totally uh, you know, out of the question. He's not supposed to be anywhere around him. Now the guy's just hanging out with pigs. And, and he ends up eating the slop that, that, uh, you know, that he had been feeding the pigs. He, he's eating that. And, and the Bible says that he comes back to his right mind. And the moment he comes back to his right mind, everything in life shifts. Remember? He, he, he heads back home to be a servant. And his father, seeing him afar off, says, give me, a, you know, give me a coat, give me a ring, give me shoes, kill the fatted calf. This is my beloved son who was dead, is alive again. Well, he wasn't dead. He was just separated. To be carnally minded is to be separated from the end that God has for you. To be spiritually minded, to allow the Holy Spirit to influence and, and uh, direct your thought life. It, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's Zoe life and, and, and shalom. That, that is a crazy good life. The minute that boy changed the way he thought, life shifted. I know that we're under the impression that it's everybody else. That it's circumstances and situations that if God would go change that, if he would produce a change out there, my life would get better. No, you got to change the way you think. Because if you don't change the way you think, it doesn't make any difference where you go. Wherever you go in life, there you shall be. When you get there, you mess it up. You can get a new job, working for a new company in a new city, but six weeks later, you show up somehow. And that thought life, start messing up the perfect company, the perfect city, the perfect situation. We got to deal with us. We got to allow God to transform us by changing the way we think. The first thing you got to do is realize it ain't everybody else. It's me. But look at how everybody treats me. It doesn't make any difference. It's you. It's you. Different groups of people treat the same person differently. And it's, it's not all them. It's you. You know, the fact of the matter is not everybody's really thinking about you anyways. You just got to change the way you think. You know, Shelby thinks I'm wonderful. 
Well, she has a great gift of discernment. And when I live up to her expectations, guess what I am? Wonderful. My kids, they think, that's dad. They don't, even, they don't really listen. They don't understand the gift that God has given them. My dogs, they think of me as master. I like that. Say sit, they sit, lay down, they try to lay down. You know, the, the more you operate that role, how many of you guys, you, you've, you've got pets and they do whatever you tell them to. Come, they come, sit, they sit. I heard a man talk about uh, one time that he had trained his dog to close the door. And so he'd tell his dog, go close the door. And the dog would run over and close the door. And then come sit down. He'd get up, uh, the man would, he'd get up and go open the door and sit down and then tell him, go close the door. And he'd go close the door and come back and sit down. He'd get up and he'd go open the door. Well, why why do you do that? He says, I just like to watch somebody do exactly what I said. (laughs) Just got to have some authority somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, Shelby thinks I'm wonderful. The kids think I'm boring. The dogs call me master. The church calls me pastor. It it doesn't make any, you know, the truth of the matter is, though, is that most people don't think of me at all. But what's going on in all those different realms, that doesn't change anything until I change the way I think. And if you're thinking wrong, if you're thinking wrong, you're going to get the wrong result. And it doesn't make any difference if Shelby thinks I'm wonderful, but if I'm thinking wrong, we're not going to get the right result. It doesn't make any difference what's going on outside and, and, and all these other situations and circumstances. What matters is what's going on in you. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Have you noticed that people can go to Disney World, the happiest place on earth, and look like they are ready to kill somebody? Hello? Some of you act like, that was me. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Here, here at the garden, we get calls every week from churches that wish they were us. Everybody wants to be us, except us. You got to change the way you think. God's got hope, He's got future. He's got great plans in front of you. Man, you don't don't want to line up with with the thought process of the world and and go ahead and fall into the depression of recession when when you're connected to God who is like making this thing happen for you. He's He's got life out in front of you. Life, man. God's plan for you is good. It's good. You, you want to change the way you think so that you're not separated from the good life that God has planned for you. Don't let the enemy rip from your grip the very promise of God that hope and future just a couple steps away. Don't let carnal thinking produce death in your life. Make a decision to cut off death and open the door to life. Allow God to be God, man, I I tell you what, when I think about what God's got planned for us, the reality is, is that it's crazy not to just trust God. 
It's, it is crazy to not believe God. It is not sane to think that if I do it the way the world does it, that I'm going to get a result that's better than what God offers. The only rational thought is to do what God says and know that he's going to come through. Don't let this world dictate the way you think. Man, we can't be thinking like everybody else thinks. We, we, we can't be looking at the future like everybody else looks at the future. We gotta, we gotta, we, we, we gotta use the insight that we have from the Word of God that tells us that no weapon, no weapon formed against you can prosper. There's not, there's nothing the enemy can do to cause you to lose. Great peace have those that love God's law. Nothing shall cause them to stumble, fall, fail, or quit. Nothing can offend them. Nothing's going to turn you upside down. Great peace. Great peace. I got the love of God pulling me into a future that God's planned for me. And nothing can keep me from ending up in the right place at the right time with the right stuff, getting the right result as long as I just keep trusting God. I, but I got to change the way I think. If I, if I let the world influence the way I think, I'm going to end up being just as separated as they are. Man, and there ain't nothing worse than a depressed Christian. Got a Jesus sticker on the back of the car, and in the front car, there's blood from the last guy they just hit. <laughs> Mixed story, right? It, it, a double-minded man is unstable. And there's nothing more scary than an unstable believer who knows that if he kills you, he could get God to forgive him. Got to be careful. God's got great, great future, great life, great hope, great vision, great stuff for you. Let's embrace what God's doing. I said, let's embrace what God's doing. Good Lord, we got this huge opportunity. Let's embrace what God's doing. Let's stand together and just set your stuff down. And let's just stand together this morning and just give God a praise offering and thank him for what he's doing in our lives. Amen. Father, we just magnify you. We love you, Lord. We love you.